Look around. Everywhere these days, people are crying out for effective leadership. There's no mistaking it any longer. Men, especially leaders, are struggling, emasculated by imposed rules, stereotyping, and leadership models that are no longer working. There are many women who are doing a much better job at leadership than the men, and we need to recognize them. We need their help too. Welcome to Well, the Women's Expressions on Leadership, Learning, and Liberty podcast show, and I'm its host, John Krotek. This is the show where women can help us men to be better men, more effective leaders. My special guest for this episode of Well is internationally acclaimed business mentor, self-actualization expert, and I love this, spiritual technician for business owners, Kristen Miller. Kristen helps her clients um, basically fortify their emotional agility. We're going to find out about what that is. Improve their mental strength, overcome past traumas. And this is what I like about her, too. She's going deep. She's recalibrating the outdated societal model that men have to be hard in order to be great. And I guess another way of putting it is men need to drag their knuckles to be men. She's challenging that. She's doing it in a, in, in a big, sincere, genuine way. I love that. Kristen has worked on not just one continent, but get this, listeners, three continents. So she is a world traveler and doing magic wherever she goes. She's been featured on DBS Radio TV, Inspired Choices TV, and the Business Growth Show on Millionaire Flicks. Kudos to her. Um, she also studies neuroscience. This I find intriguing because, you know, neuroscience is the brain, left side, right side, those kinds of things. She's going to tell us a little bit about it. But what's important about her studies is she is studying its positive effects and negative effects on leadership. Another thing she's working on, an initiative in a business called Silver Arrow, and we're going to talk about that as well. Uh, I'm humbled and honored to have her here on, well, this first uh, series pot, you know, uh, episode list. Um, welcome, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me here. John, it's an absolute honor and a pleasure. Well, thank you for that. And I just want people to know, you know, she's been through a couple of floods here lately. It's been raining <laughs> like the Dickens in South Africa. And she actually had, a, she's doing this all under duress. You know, she, she, she had a, a roof cave in, but she's here to, today and, it, and it's wonderful. And I can't wait to hear your story. And I can't wait to hear you share the things that I know that can help men and women, but leaders all over the world. So let's get started. Tell us a little bit about your, your background, how you were raised, what you, how you came up with these traits that you exemplify. What, how did that go down? I had a very uh, typical upbringing, very normal. Um, in fact, just your typical, very middle-class family where money was always an issue. It was forever the, the cause of stress and um, my mother became a raging alcoholic when I was 13. It really kicked into gear at 14. Um, and then my dad just, you know, did his best. He did his best as a middle-class human, raised the same way, 
always trying to do what was right. So we moved around a lot of homes. In my 17 years in school, we lived in 13 different houses. <laughs> so he was forever trying to find a job. And again, it was just related to money. So I was raised with the typical, what I think most of us were told is you have to go to university and you have to get a degree. And it's all about the corporate work when you end school you know, after college, but like, that was a thing. Um, my mother, I promise you, she even used to say you, anyone who is not university educated is uneducated and she's never been to university, <laughs> but that was the kind of pressure that was put on us. So when I was thinking about university, I was going to be a criminal prosecutor. I've just always been an advocate for justice and equality. And I like, you know, I like to see good humans doing good things, just being kind and respectful to each other. But I didn't go. I quit. So as much as I was uh, accepted into law school, month one, I left and I packed up everything I owned from my bedroom, <laughs> my childhood bedroom in a little car, a little uh, Volkswagen City Golf. And I drove thousands of kilometers, over 10,000 kilometers down to another uh, city. And I started from scratch and I lived on a couch and I had three jobs at first because there was something inside of me driving me for freedom, talking about liberty. Like in my mind, though, my naive young mind at that time, it was all money. I just knew somehow that the more money you make, the more free you can be. Now, that is an interesting and important differentiation because it took until I was 35 to realize that true liberty and sovereignty actually doesn't lie with the money. <laughs> but, um, but for years, you know, like so many others, I guess, you become successful because you're driving yourself so hard. And that is a very masculine energy, right? So in today's world, there's a lot of women going on about, oh, you must be more feminine and bring the softer nurturing kind in. And it's a yes to everything. I think both sides of the equation are needed. Both sides need to be in what I call harmony, not balance balance is more pressure but um it, it just it took me going through that by the end I'll, I remember the date 24 October 2015 is the day that I knew something is seriously off with my life I am totally unfulfilled I was doing very well so on the outside like so many of our world's men we're gregarious we're positive and I was genuinely positive but very unhappy very unfulfilled, I would say totally unfulfilled with what I was doing, which was working with high net worth investors as a buyer's advocate. And I knew something had a shift. I knew I was misaligning somewhere and I had no idea what it was because like most people, we were never taught to follow joy. Happiness was not a thing in our house. <laughs> in fact, the word entrepreneur probably was not mentioned in my entire school life ever, not once. You know, it was simply get a job, work your way up the corporate ladder and get the proverbial gold watch after your university education. That was the drive. So yeah, let me stop you there just for a second. You know, so that's awesome. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome that you changed <laughs> and you finally figured it out. But, you know, one thing that you're touching upon, Kristen, is the societal construct of the college thing, you know, not <laughs> unlike millions of people out there, which, you know, you talk about happiness. And so when people take these surveys, well, how do you like where you're at in your life, this stage of your life? Why is it? And then we know why, but and you're going to tell us, I know. But but, but why is it that it's always 80% or more say they're unhappy? And just, I just wanted to, enter, you know, so the college thing is, it's a societal construct that a lot of people followed, but it also leads to a lot of unhappiness. So yeah. kudos to you for figuring it out, but sorry for the interrupting you there. I just... 
you, you raised those. <laughs> Go ahead. So, so you made this shift October of 2015. Okay. Yeah, but I feel like a late bloomer because I mean, if you think <laughs> about it, that's where the old term midlife crisis comes in. I was 35 at that time. And my dad actually said to me once, he said, Kristen, are you having an early midlife crisis? I thought it was just for men. In other words, in their 40s. <laughs> and I yeah. was like, you know, society even had labels for this type of phenomenon or whatever we want to call it. And I just had a drive. It really was a compulsion because I knew because I was already a millionaire. I had the mini mansions. I had all the money. I never worried about money. And I just knew that that is not joy let alone happiness. And I separate those two as well. But there was just something big missing from my life. Um, I really wasn't happy. So I think it's because we tickle the boxes. I think we just do it. It is so hard conditioned into us. And this is, this is where a little bit of neuroscience can come into play as well. Our um, neurons are literally so hard. Whatever wires together, fires together is, is an old saying that I'm sure many listeners have heard, but it's true. So Picture an African bushveld or savanna example, and the cattle, oh, cattle. So let's take the, the wildebeest, for example. Any animals that continually walk the same path create a trail that's just a well-trodden path. So we call them cattle paths. Um, it's the same thing with our brains. Anything that we keep doing over and over and over again, even if we think it's right and it's maybe not the healthiest option for us, we become good at. So it's this well-worn a neural pathway in our in our brain system, phys physically as well. <laughs> so we're not even going to touch on the mindset aspects or the emotional aspects yet, but it's the same thing. So I like to say to people, we've also got to be careful what we get good at because we can and usually do develop habits and behavioral traits, which we call personality traits, that may not actually be the most empowering traits or qualities or habits or routines for us, even though we think they used to, they used to be. So we think they're the best for us, but not anymore. Um, so yeah, it was just a case of I had a blinding, I don't know what it was. I called it a, a spiritual awakening. I honestly refer to that year as my first like awakening <laughs> because it came out the blue and I could not, I just could not continue doing what I'd always been doing. Um, I, I was drawn into things like meditation and uh, Reiki and, and things I'd never heard of. I grew up in such a typical, I would say, lower middle-class family. That stuff was never spoken about, ever. It just didn't cross our paths. Um, and yet I had an urge, a compulsion to just change. And hence, I took a sabbatical. I actually had to take a sabbatical to go and figure out what on earth I want to do with my life. And I was 35. <laughs> so everyone told me I was crazy. <laughs> no, you're not crazy. That's great. You know, so, you know, so you, 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 this college thing, social construct, what social constructs did you learn about boys, you know, early on or about working with men? Because you, be, you became very, very successful in a, what they sometimes term um, a man's world. You know, yeah. how, how did you, what, what were your ideas and what did you learn about men early on then working with them out in the corporate world? Working in the corporate world, which was all that time up until 2015, um, I was often called a ball buster in the boardroom. I literally was. And I used to take it as a compliment because, as you say, that's how men, because of the social construct, though, you know, that's the banter and the, yeah, put the chest and do the, 
you know, He-Man and guerrilla warfare and the <laughs> boiler room tactics. And they made movies, their famous clips about that <laughs> in terms of sales and development and everything. But the nurturing side of me, even then, even when I was in high level investment and corporate, um, I still used to fight for people first. So I remember being a COO, having a heavy debate with my CEO about um, how he was all into tech, this, boiler room tactics, and, you know, that energy is a very hard energy, and it can be fun, so I'm not going to put it down. I think there's a time and place for pretty much anything, but it depends on what the intention is and the purpose behind it, and that is only something I learned after the fact, Um, and I used to fight for the people, just saying, you can have all the fancy tech in the world, but every business is still driven by and from within its people, so you need a balance. To, to have a harmonious team, you need both. You need the bull busters and the go-getters and those with a more masculine energy. Let's call it that. That is your strategy and tactics. That's why I say it's needed. It's a, it's a good thing. It exists for a reason if we think about divine purpose and energy. But we also need the harmonious, the opposite to balance everything out, which is the more feminine energy, which is your nurturing side, the, the naturally more gentle side. And the gender is irrelevant because different people will naturally possess stronger, or should I say higher levels of masculine energy versus feminine energy, regardless of your gender. You know, that's actually irrelevant. So <laughs> um, I'm a female and according to most females, they think I'm very masculine. You know, and it's okay. It's just what they see. They they prefer to be the nurturers. And I say, well, think about Joan of Arc. Do you think she was more masculine or did she want to stay behind in the kitchen cooking for all the men or did she go out of war, <laughs> you know, and put on a warrior brave suit and go and lead people into battle? You know, there's no, it's a great question. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I wholeheartedly agree with you that gender is absolutely irrelevant. I think what you said here, Kristen, which probably makes the most sense, we know it does, is balance. You know, we, we, if you're too much of a ball breaker, as you put it, then it's not going to work in the long run. It's not sustainable. Yeah. If you're too meek and too gentle, yeah. uh, it probably won't work in the long run either as far as the business world goes, maybe. But but finding that balance is is the core, I think, and we talk about it, core values, but how, yeah. how we find those, how we put them together and how we just move along. In a, in a more rational, because you're into the neuroscience, the left yeah. brain, right side working together to uh, yeah. to push our spirits forward, I guess, for one yeah. better way of putting it. But that's amazing. You know, I, I like that. So nurturing, harmony, balance, gender is irrelevant. Everybody's making everything about gender these days, how you identify yeah. and this and that. <laughs> Come on, let's go. Let's let's get past that stuff. Yeah. Let's get to something really good. So, so. So you went through a midlife crisis. I get it. You know, but, but you know what? I like the fact that you even, that that is intuitive because you're even saying that midlife crisis, you know, this term for it plays on you. So let's just say it, we're, we're in a moment of indecision and we totally don't feel what, like we're into what we're doing and, oh, they're going through a midlife crisis. Why don't we say we're going through a midlife, as you put it, awakening? That's, I was just going to say, no, I refuse to call it a crisis. Yeah. <laughs> I call it an awakening. It is just, sure. it is this power that is greater than you, but you're feeling it. And being humans, we can only express it and put it into the words that we've been raised with. Um, 
So how we choose to uh, express the actual vocab can vary and does vary greatly actually from person to person, but I prefer to say, oh, it's exciting. It is a time of awakening and you're getting all these nudges, if you will, for a reason. So then rather ask questions about them, like what am I meant to see here? Or what would be a better way for me to reframe what I'm feeling and that's not as like woo-woo or wishy-washy as some may think. It's actually a very powerful exercise. You can do it in your own garden with a cup of coffee. You do not need a therapist to be able to learn to ask yourself better questions. I think the quality of our lives is based on the quality of our questions. And so long as we remain curious and open-minded enough to say, all right, so this is here. I'm feeling it. Allow it to happen. I became an expert at blocking feelings, literally which I think a lot of men were raised to do that. And that is where I challenged the old societal conditioning for men in particular, because women were encouraged to share how they feel, whereas men were told they're weak. You know, they were, it was just so hammered into them. Never show emotion. Men don't cry. Real men, in fact, that's what I heard often. Real men don't cry. Um, <laughs> or they are That sort of thing. Right? Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. You know, it's just block, block, block. And I'm like, no, I actually love opening up the space for men. And you'll be amazed at how many big, very much alpha men, hugely gregarious, great guys, you know, natural leaders, in fact. They just, they need this release. And it's a better way of saying it sometimes. It's like any pressure you know, you think about a jammed gun, if you were talking about ammo, eventually when that when that jam unglitches, sure, it's normally there's a whole lot of extra buckshot that isn't normally, wouldn't normally come if the gun hadn't been jammed in the first place, right? <laughs> you know, that's when you get that's... the burns around your hand and stuff <laughs> because it's just hard. So, so I like to say, let's just release it because that's how you resolve it, whatever it is, those underlying, that is emotional agility. Now you're starting to play with, I'm allowed to feel it. I don't need to become a sobbing mess, although that's okay if I do. But I can learn to start managing these emotions in a healthier way. And that is becoming agile, just like a multidisciplinary sportsman, for example. Um, it doesn't mean that you're not still the same human being you were before, but you're learning it's self-governance. So emotional agility to me is a key to self-governance because over time that creates the equanimity state of equanimity that we're, we all seek, I think, at the end of the day. So we're not reactive. We actually just become responsive. And all the macro and external factors around us don't, you know, they'll influence maybe the actions that we take, but they don't influence our state of being. Being as in we're human beings. <laughs> the doings come later. <laughs> so that's emotional agility. No, that's pretty, that's interesting because, you know, it, it, you know, guys are, um, <laughs> acclimatized to shutting off emotions right and i gotta tell you the in america the a recent american psychological american psychological association guidelines have recently pointed out that traditional masculine roles may be pathological so i think it does a huge disservice because what they're basically saying is if you act like a man or you take on a masculine role it might be a disorder so I, I don't, yeah. you know, that's, I, I, I have a hard time with that. And I know, you know, how does that do anything to, um, to celebrate masculine attributes? Yeah. You know, it demonizes guys. And so we've got people at some yeah. of the highest levels of psychology circles that are telling us traditional masculine roles 
<laughs> maybe a disorder. So we're guy, we're damned if we do, you know, if we drag our knuckles, we get screamed at. And if we're too woo woo, we get, uh, that guy's weak, you know, yeah. we get back to balance again. So in your neuroscience studies, how do we, how do we find the balance? How do we get to there? How, how do we do that? It sounds terrible to say, and it frustrates most people, especially because we live in a day and age that everyone wants instant gratification. Isn't that true? <laughs> Repetition. <laughs> it does take practice. I used to be highly reactive, especially as the oldest kid in a poor family with a raging alcoholic as a parent and a mother who was diagnosed with manic depression. So if you want anyone who cannot regulate their emotions you want to talk to a kid and it's not just me there's plenty of us out there um you know who who had to learn to adult and become the parent because now all of a sudden i'm managing everyone in the in the family as the oldest kid from young you, you know i just sure. had to grow up early and i look back with love grace and gratitude so this is not a a a put down on anyone in my family but it's um i think it's very similar for the for men in, if, if not more so i'm just female and i happen to be the oldest but how often have we heard a father saying, look, I have to leave the family. You're, you're the man of the house now, little man, talking to their five, six, seven-year-old kids. So already, and it's natural, and I, and I understand that the intention can be pure, but the kind of pressure on it, you're the man now of the house, to a little guy can often lead to an overindulgence, should we say, on one side of the, the coin or the scale instead of balancing it out, um, because there is honor, I think, in being the man of the house. Um, any woman, if she's honest and if she's conscious to some extent, will say that as a female, and I can put my hand up here, I still want a man to be able to help make me feel just safe. You, you know, that is something that, for example, I think it's a strength of men in particular, even though it's an old label, but I always take comfort in the fact if I'm around a group of guys that I actually feel safe because that's not something that women, you know, generally, we just, we're not designed that way. We think differently. Mm -hmm. Our hormones, our physiological bodies are designed differently. <laughs> um, and that's a beautiful thing about biology, which is why I say we need both. The practice comes in though, are we going to be far more responsive than reactive? Um, kids raised in with traumatic past childhood incidences tend to be very reactive. Now that reaction can come in various ways, fight, flight, or freeze, just to give you three simple examples. Mm -hmm. So my mother, for example, is a shutdowner, as I call, just jokingly, like she'll shut down, totally freeze, um, and not with alcohol in her, I'm talking normal, if there was a crisis, whereas I'm a fighter because I've had a fight for so many years um, for so long, so many things. Um, other people uh, are the type who will flee. So every single human has innate and natural. It's a beautiful thing. So let's honor what God gave us. We have our own little levels of traits that serve or, or not serve. And then while we learn how to improve those through self-governance and self-actualization, which I think is any personal development journey, really, mm -hmm. we, get, we just get better at honoring the positive strengths and gifts and talents and we get better at honoring what we call our weaknesses or the shadow side, because we cannot heal what we aren't willing to see. You know, so if we want to begin the healing journey, we have to be willing to see like, okay, Kristen, this was not, this is just bad behavior. It's now habitual because you practiced it for so many years, not being consciously aware of it, 
So still love yourself enough um, to be able to face it and then let's work through it. But we don't need to focus on it. We've also got the strengths and the, and the positives. So that's the balance and the harmony, I like to say, because harmony does, if you think about a heartbeat, it's up, then it goes down and then you've got the regular, just think about a heartbeat like you see in the movies. Kind of so like behind me. Yeah, exactly yeah. like behind you. Then something will happen, uh, some emergency of business, and then oops, there's your stress levels and everything up. Oh, and then you get the release and then back to regulation. I up and down exactly why I love the word harmony. But when we try to do balance, I will show you uh, with a ruler, people seek perfection, which is just silly. <laughs> you know, um, so when we're trying to balance everything all the time, it's way too much pressure. I think people, humankind in general, not only in women, but also in men. I've got to be the best businessman, the best leader, the best team leader. I've got to do all the hiring and firing. I've got to pay everyone. I talk about CEOs, but then I've also got to go home and be the best husband, the best father, the best everything. I'm like, guys, stop with the, that is where too much this, um, striving for perfection, balance, like imagine a spirit level. You know, there's a lot of intricacy that goes in there. So I say, allow yourself to just be in harmony with life. They're going to be good days. They're going to be bad days. All we can do is respond however we can best respond. And we will get better at responding to our pet peeves, for example, better as we learn to regulate our emotional reactions because our emotions aren't uniquely guarded in only one section of the brain, the creative versus the logical. It's, for example, there's throughout our being, that is our energetic resonance. <laughs> so you walk by anyone who's in a foul mood, you'll feel it. You can feel it, the vibe, so to speak. <laughs> or if they're down, like if you hang out with someone who's really, really down, you can feel it, even if they don't show it or necessarily speak about it. Some hide it very well, and not I'm not disputing that. And that is a well-practiced conditioning in them somewhere along the way they learn to hide it well. And that is when the surprise uh, suicides happen, when we just, we get shocked. Like we wouldn't have expected that of someone. But if you're really close to someone, you can pick up the little, little signs. I know a little bit about that. You know, I hid that assault for 42 mm -hmm. years. And then it took a drinking and driving incident, which left me with a traumatic brain injury, which forced all that to percolate and come to the top. Yeah. Near divorce, uh, the suicide crisis call that I made. And, you know, so, you, you know. You're, you're, you're talking about real world situations. Let's just say I'm a, I'm a 48 year old CEO, got a wife and kids at home. I've got a Maserati, nice, you know, ocean view in my, you know, French kitchen and there's the beach, right? And, 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 I, and I've got everything, went to college, got friends, you know, I'm, 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 I play golf on Sundays with the boys, you know, but, but I'm freaking miserable inside. You know, I'm hiding what you just said so well. <laughs> Tell me what's going to happen if I reach out now to you as a mentor and a spiritual uh, neuroscience guru, if you will. Um, what are you going to What are you going to help me do? You know, hey, Kristen, this is John. You don't know me, but I've heard a lot about you, and I understand that you can help men to to get better. Yeah, help there's me. a long yeah for sure. There's a long online evaluation. It's literally 78 questions, uh, just a little, I call it a form. I don't like saying assessment because I'm not assessing anything. But um, I ask clients to fill that out just because I believe they'll be more honest uh, initially, especially because we don't know each other yet, as you say. So 
it's it's a case of how willing are you going to be honest when answering something? And generally, I think humans are more honest if they're just alone and they allow themselves that 10 minutes to just get into their thoughts and answer those uh, specific questions driven to try and decipher exactly what is most frustrating you at this moment. And I tell you why I do that. It's because most people, and I was one of them, um, that most people I've come across literally, and especially in the last years, they do not know how to describe what they're feeling. And it's not a case of we're stupid or ignorant. It's none of that. It's that generally we were only taught the very bare basics in emotions, like I'm happy or I'm sad, or I'm angry or I'm whatever, you know, very, very basic opposite ends. And I work with the map of consciousness as created by David R. Hawkins. Um, so there's power versus force. But the reason I need to try and get the man in front of me to try and articulate, like express whatever he's most feeling, like whatever's really pushing him at, at the most of the time is because whatever we can name, we can tame. And that's also learned through NLP and hypnosis. Not that I teach that, but um, I learned that through experimenting with those modalities myself. It's it's just, isn't it reassuring when you think that if I can start naming something, I can tame it. So for fun with some of our clients, not everyone, we actually name like CEOs, strong men, strong women too. But um, in particular with men, they've got a hard driving self-criticism, self-judgment monster within. <laughs> so oh, yeah. we don't need to call it a monster, but it's hard. And that loud little inner voice, he could be a nasty <laughs> a-hole at times because you're driven that's why you're so successful and that is what i would say 99 percent of the men who first come to me and approach me that's what they tell me they go kristen i am successful and they're confident you can tell they are successful they are they have that maserati in the garage for example is it but i'm not happy what do i do about it so yeah assessment first i've got to try and pull out the kind of words that the human is most comfortable expressing based on whatever experience he's got in talking like that, because most men do not have a lot of experience in actually being open and honest about how they're feeling. They just weren't raised that way in general. Maybe today's guys, yeah, but not people over 40. <laughs> not generally, but especially not men. Um, so then I start pulling it out and I've actually got a testimonial that I was going to share on LinkedIn recently and it's a big military man. U.S. intelligence officer, 20 years plus in the game until he left the government. Um, big, big guy, strapping guy, <laughs> massive. <laughs> and, and a real man's man, <laughs> you know. And he actually, it was one of the best compliments I've ever received in my life. He said, I did not know that it was possible to feel so free to share what I'm really thinking. So it's a case of, I think most men, if given the opportunity, just the chance to have this open space, with someone they do not know. So not the wife, not the buddies, not someone they actually know, that they can just vent and, and just release it all. It's freeing. It's actually quite freeing. And you'll be amazed. If, you know, you tend to get that lightness. Uh, it's just a relief. So let's go for relief first. And then you know, we'll I, take it from there. Yeah, it makes me realize now that <laughs> one of the, the attributes of what you do, this is th this is the Silver Arrow program, right? Flaming silver, yeah. Okay. Well, I flaming, think it's okay. silver. It's a good one. Okay, but I'm thinking silver. I was thinking silver because it glitters. But but yeah, you're creating a safe space. Yeah. And that can't be over understated. 
You know, it cannot be understated because a, a lot of people, you mentioned it earlier, and I picked up on, I got a few notes here, uh, nurturing and, and safety. Yeah. And, you know, how you took over the role as the oldest child to be that nurturing and safe person. And so Flaming Arrow creates an environment of safety. And men yeah. need to feel that. You know, you mentioned fight or flight. I think that when we don't feel safe, we respond and react to one of those two or combination thereof. Mm -hmm. My writer, because you're, you're schooling me right now. I mean, I'm learning through yeah. you about certain things that I didn't know before. So am I right or am I and wrong? You <laughs> are right. And I'd say, I think generally, and again, I can only generalize, but I think most men were raised to react, take charge. You have to, you know, you're protecting your family. So the instinct, though, as well, based on testosterone is also there. So you've got the physiological uh, instinct, which is huge. I mean, why fight it? God designed you that way. <laughs> you know, and then you've got whatever you were conditioned with, which for the most part for men, especially if they're raised in military families that I've seen, and my experience is not as vast as, say, Marissa Pierce or something, but they were also raised at the minute, you know, the stakes get high, it's an immediate reaction to protect the thing, go out and fight. You step forward. It's a good thing. It's a beautiful quality. It's just, how can we do it better? And that's why I like to offer that safe space for men, because when do you guys get to switch off? When do you guys, as these strong leading men, actually get to go, my turn for nurture? Um, especially if you never show what you consider weakness, now, weakness and vulnerability are two different things, but if you still are of the old condition mindset that showing weakness or vulnerability with your wife, and I've had men tell me this, they cannot express the same with their peers or partners. They use those words um, because they don't want to come across as weak yet. So it's new. It's, it's, a, it's an unfamiliar feeling. It's an unfamiliar like action that you're taking. So you're a little bit hesitant. And I understand that. It's normal. No, no. I am so glad, though, that you <laughs> mentioned that because what I've seen and myself personally and other guys that I know that have tried to make that transformation, some are successful, some aren't, that, yeah. and you mentioned dark shadow side. Yeah. When we start to rewire, you mentioned rewire things that fire, we rewire, anyhow, when we start to change and make that transformation, it is freaking uncomfortable. And, yeah. and sometimes we wonder, is this how it's supposed to feel? <laughs> So when you have 30, 20, 40 years of modus operandi, then you come across a Kristen Miller who's going to change that, you know, work, 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 practice, practice, practice. It doesn't happen instantaneous. You're going to feel uncomfortable, but yeah. the end results are going to be worth everything you go through. Especially if you're willing to hang in there. Sometimes there can be immediate sense of relief. And I like to say it, it's a sense because... I've had that on a first conversation with someone, <clears throat> excuse me, um, like when you said, wow, I just never felt that I could be that open with anyone. And, and again, this was a man who hadn't tried, for example, he hadn't done therapy yet, he hadn't done any of that. So I'm not putting any one particular modus operandi down because I think, I just think that we are, and this is part of the divine love and connection aspect of me. And, and what I can only say is, consciousness is simply becoming aware of what's there so ignorance technically is simply an unawareness it doesn't mean we're stupid or didn't look up stuff or aren't well read it just means we weren't aware of it there's plenty things out there many people can teach me that i'm totally ignorant about right now 
Um, but as you become more aware, and as you start to be able to label or talk about whatever those uncomfortable feelings or sensations were, the fear of fear is a huge one in the main I deal with. It comes up often from eight, nine, ten figure business owners who are in seemingly perfect marriages. So they're not unhappy mm. with their relationships and they're not unhappy with their business. Two major causes of uh, distress, let's call it that, distress in the men that I work with, um, yet they have this fear of failure. And I think, when we start diving deep, where did it come from? Finally, call number three, say, then it comes out that dad was a drug addict and up until that young boy was 13, he was regularly beaten for it, but he, because he misunderstood a whole, a whole lot of stuff was taken in. You know, you know about the power of our subconscious mind, what we take in, even if as an adult, we would think that's silly, but as youngsters in this very, very undeveloped brain, we pick up sensations and energy long before we pick up words. So I always like to say that your energy precedes you. It's just that adults don't think that because now we have words and vocab or we can have interesting and insightful discussions. But as tiny little kids, all you're picking up is the vibes. Dad's angry. Mom's sad. But that's about the extent of what you're picking up. And it is from in utero. And the studies proving that are mind-blowing. <laughs> like it's just can only imagine, yeah. All the stress and the chemicals and the hormones. And so now we're talking emotions, which is all based on physiology as well. The science is proving it so when you start diving deep it's just incredible what comes out so the sense of lightness um I, I like to say lightness and levity is something that is tangible because you can see it in a man's face you can see it in his expression sometimes it's a little bit of the shoulders just go back it's it's lighter um and it's tough to describe one of my male clients i'll give you a, a big ceo uh, his secretary one day after about we've been working together for about three months and she said to him you just look different and he laughed and he finally told me he figured out what she meant and they discussed it and they joked about it but it took about three months and it's that she ended up telling him you just look happy I've never seen you happy <laughs> so something as simple as happiness and <laughs> um, it changes the face and the structure and the biochemical structures in fact including in the brain throughout our entire physiology of a human being and um, based on the emotional agility and then strengthening and fortifying. I mean, now you get to start strengthening. You just got to play and practice and get through all that discomfort that is unfamiliar. And no one likes unfamiliar. <laughs> that's, like none of that's, us do. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth, you know. And um, yeah, I mean, how do you tell us a little bit about the spiritual side? Because we hear so much yeah. about get in tune with your spirit or believe in something bigger than yourself. Yeah. And, 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 some people have a spiritual side. They've tapped into it. Yeah. A lot of people don't. They don't really understand what, you know, we might know it as intuition or maybe just looking at the way that sun rises every day. I don't know. Tell me yeah. or tell us, what is that? What is that part of it, of the, of the model of, of transformation? It, it does depend on what the human uh, thinks and speaks about it. For example, yeah, it, like I will never use the word God unless I've asked them like, to you, what is the higher power or a creator or a divine force? Um, I'm very comfortable. I prefer to use the term the divine field of infinite intelligence. And then I take excerpts and I work with them through the science of getting rich. And I know it's a money book and it's a great one. And it's all about science and the art. But the terms and the old school definitions of um, 
the divine field of infinite intelligence, mm-hmm. the substance that has no form yet is in all form and existence in substance. <laughs> you know, that is when we start getting into metaphysics, like how our thoughts literally impress into the field around us. Um, I've got an image on presentations that I use, you know, when there's a light shining and you see the dust motes sprinkling, oh, yeah. just dust motes through a light beam. Um it's, it's kind of like that. So depending on the human I'm speaking to and depending on what they prefer, like I had a male client who studied Hebrew. So, and it was, but he studied it in depth. He's got a natural uh, desire to, to have understood all that theology and philosophy behind everything that was the Jewish religion, if, if you will. And he's not from Israel. He's, he's a mountain man, <laughs> but that was his desire. It's, it's a beautiful thing to witness. So we use very different terminology about it. Uh, just yesterday, I was uh, sharing Dr. Emoto's work with water and the rice experiment. If you Google that and just how whatever is impressed must be expressed. So if we are impressing in our minds, whatever thoughts. So uh, I like to say the thoughts are the electrical impulses. Picture a little Star Wars, those saber light, like fake swords that you get. in I, I, oh, I don't yeah, watch yeah. Star Wars. <laughs> but the little light things that I've seen on gifts and stuff. Um, that's thoughts. They're electrical impulses that go out into this biomagnetic field that exists around us. I like to say the quantum soup, depending on who I'm speaking to. Like, think of it as the soup, you know, just to make it easier to understand. Like, all these little dust mites, they exist all around us. We just need to shine the right light on them so that we can see it and understand it, I mean, better, whatever works for you. Then emotions are the attractive forces. Again, something that we've heard so much about. And emotions are energy in motion. So now I bring in the metaphysics about energy, molecules, atoms, particles. We can go into wavelength theories. We can go into all sorts, depending on the human's interest. Like if their eyes start going down, I know my language is wrong. I've got to connect with every human I talk to on their level so that we make it interesting and use analogies and terminology that they actually understand. So from a spiritual perspective, I like to think God is the universe, like the creator, to me, he's the creator and the higher power. But I understand and respect that it's not the same for everyone. So then, you know, um, some people, I have a client in Florida now who uh, doesn't like the word universe. You know, she lost one of her brothers young. So she doesn't was always angry at God and doesn't, doesn't want to swallow or accept, and I mean that with respect, like universal consciousness. So, you know, we use different language with her. And for her, it was like, how can you say God is loving and kind? Or how can you believe that the universal forces are benevolent? And I was like, well, let's think about the biome. Um, and she is a scientist, fortunately. You know, she's in science. She's a, in the medical field. So she gets that. So then I had to change the language to go, let's talk about biomagnetic influence and impulses. And we, and we do that. Like, that's why they have a defibrillator on your heart when you have a heart attack. And, you know, you're coding. <laughs> it's electrics. And now we start talking in those kinds of terms and I have to get creative um, to help her, but she is slowly accepting the consciousness as in you combine to fear consciousness, you combine to love, divine love, which is in essence, all there is, is connection. The law of the one and the many is one of my favorite laws. And it's one of the most difficult to really comprehend. It took me years to like really grasp and embody because all is one. We're all connected in the field, the web of this infinite intelligence um and yet we're individual so we also get to express our individuality and uniqueness in it. there's uh, plenty ways to talk about it <laughs> no no but it does go deep and what what i'm yeah 
what you're putting together here, and I, and I totally believe it, uh, this universal consciousness, you know, we've grown up thinking that science has nothing to do with the spirit, right? We always, they're always at odds and they're always battling each other, those two concepts, something spiritual and something scientific. But there is science behind it. You know, if you look at the law of thermodynamics and the way the universe yeah. operates, universal entropy, universal growth, what yeah. I'm hearing in the universal consciousness is that it is, and what you do is you bridge, you, you build the bridge between something spiritual yeah. and something scientific, which is real because all those vibrations, you know, when we walk into yeah. a room, you know, or, or how about this one? Hey, how are you doing today? I'm okay. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Who, yeah. you know what? Somebody told me one time, this is true. You know, do you want to leave somebody when you meet them for the first time, like they've been sucker punched and, and then and they've drained the energy right out of you and that's <laughs> universal consciousness, right? Yeah. Or do you want to, but I know that you inspire, um, you know, with, with, with the things that you're doing, you know, what do you want to do? How do you want to leave people inspired or drained? That is what exactly what you're talking about. That's the connection yeah. between the spirit and the, and the laws of vibration. And my, I mean, that's what I'm getting from you. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. And then even for those guys who were never aware of like the map of consciousness, which all it is, is a logarithmic scale. So when I work with some really intelligent men who, who are skeptics, and I love that, because they're teaching me to become a better human, to try and learn how to describe things better in ways that meet them where they're at. So I enjoy that. Um, I enjoy the challenge. So when I show them that map, and I mean, it's you can Google it, the map of consciousness, it's also teaching them like every now and then let's do a check-in. If they're having a bad day, as you say, like they're really feeling bad on a certain day. All right, where would you place yourself on this scale? Because the intention would be to try and always vibrate, function, optimally which is at a state of love or above you know but sometimes let's face it we all get bad days so sometimes we might be anger and anger the anger iceberg is an important one for me i find a lot of men express it i know i used to based on my upbringing but anger covers more often than not betrayal it covers hurt it covers disappointment it covers there's a whole bunch of real better more powerful words we can use to describe why our anger is simply the superfluous little reaction on top but mm. it's not actually the state you're feeling and being and vibrating at not yet it's just a reaction it's a well-conditioned reaction that's cool allow it out i always say to people i'd rather you break things like throw the plates punch something from the punching bags not people <laughs> but you know Some people get it people, out yeah. express it yeah yeah i prefer punching bags yeah, but, yeah. like <laughs> but um like, but express it, uh, just let it out because then at least you know where you stand. You've got it, it's energy. Emotions are energy and they need to stay in motion because the law of perpetual trans, uh, transmutation. Everything is always in motion. That is just one of the universal laws. Nothing ever, uh, I always say, if you are sitting still, you're stagnating. And after stagnation, you're dying. Like you really want to rather try and keep growing, keep learning, keep evolving. You can make it fun. You can go at the slowest pace you want to. There is no competition. There's no rush. It all depends on how willing you are to dive deep and facing your shadows. Talking about the shadow self, it's such a common word in the spiritual zones now, but I think a lot of spiritual teachers 
do a bit of a disservice to people. I think more men, as you say, look at the stats of anxiety and stress. That's our business leaders out there. Those are our world leaders. They are, they've got a lot of responsibility on those shoulders. Any leader does, but especially the CEO of a bigger company, you've got a lot you're thinking of. You're still a man. You're still a husband. You're still a father, a brother, or something else to someone else. Um, I just say, well, just take, take off the stress. Rather release with me. Then at least I know you're going home <laughs> a more equanimated human <laughs> to your <Yeah>. wife <laughs> and kids, if that makes sense. Like, I'd rather, because, you know, that's the understanding and the relationship we get. But whatever is impressed must be expressed. Otherwise, it's going to blow and we all know what a blow up looks like. <laughs> you know, I like I like that you mentioned, you know, you mentioned the shadow side and you said, you know, be aware of those things that you need to improve or work on that you might not necessarily show. But 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 don't dwell there too long, you know, time yeah. to move on. Don't dwell. So, yeah. So, you know, so here's what I here's to recap a few things. You know, if somebody's going to work with you, Kristen, um, they're going to learn first thing about honesty, you know, because yeah. I think I think that the. Um, the questionnaire is about that. And then they're going to learn about self-love, safe spaces, that the that you can overcome societal constructs that you've been living with. Money does not necessarily bring you joy. It can pay for things, but you might not be happy. These and these are all your mantras. So striving for perfection <laughs> can be can become imperfect behavior. Box checking can be detrimental to your spirit. Repeated yep. behavior can develop or can create and develop traits that may not be empowering. Uh, nurturing, harmony and balance is vital to us moving on and transforming our lives and, and, and genders irrelevant. Uh, and <laughs> probably most importantly, because like people want everything so easy, like I just want it to happen yesterday. It's not gonna happen instantaneously. You know, some things can happen quickly, but in general, it's going to be practice, 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 and it's going to be some doubt, some doubt, some doubt at times. Not always. It will get better from what yeah. you're telling me. And then the, it all circles back to some kind of divine love or uh, a self-love. Yeah, that's why I think you, I was going to say yeah. you nailed it on the head there. That's, yeah, so it sounds easier in a 50-minute conversation. Yeah. But what <laughs> you're doing, Kristen Miller, quite honestly, is just – you are transforming the world one client at a time. Starting. You're changing lives one client at a time. And, and, I, and I give you, and I have admiration for you, I give you high kudos for figuring it out, not listening to your dad maybe and doing something different. Yeah, I'm not crazy, dad. <laughs> and, but, but I you're didn't listen to anyone. Even the, my lawyers were saying, you're lusted. <laughs> Everyone. I you took know, such judgment, yeah. in fact, and I was like, I got to do what I got to do. And that's phenomenal because that right there encapsulates leadership because the things that you're doing, they don't hurt people. They help people. And I think that that could be the largest pinnacle of success that anybody could have, male, female, uh, husband, father, wife, aunt, you know, cousin, whatever, is to yeah. know that you're operating in the highest capacity that you can yeah to so me many... that's where these sovereignty comes in and to me yeah. similar to what you teach that is poetry in motion real life humans who just start embodying so they've really integrated and processed a whole new way of being 
despite previous circumstances, despite traumas and accidents and and all the other big stuff that we know happens to us that is poetry in motion i just think in the human form it's it's a beautiful expression of our courage strength power and our vulnerability i mean that's the definition of sovereignty it is supreme power of authority over ourselves it was epictetus it was him who once said no man is truly free until he is master of himself something like that i hope i haven't butchered it but one of my favorite passages of his. I've done a lot of research and studying into his works on freedom and sovereignty. And when we think about it, no man is truly free who is not master of himself first. Um, I love that. That's and where you know, the self-love comes in. Yeah, Napoleon Bonaparte was some, said something similar. The, the, the true vanquishers, the man who conquers himself. Uh-huh. You know, Napoleon Bonaparte, you know how, but, <laughs> but, I, but I, so, you know, do you have, uh, how can people get in contact with you? And then what's your personal mantra that you wake up to every day? You don't have to, you know, think about it, but how do people contact you, Kristen, if they want to find out more information or they need your services? How does that happen? Perfect. My website's the easiest place to go. We're continually adding to it and a whole new product suite is coming up. It's just in the content pipeline now. So that is www.flamingsilver.com. Flaming, because I ignite people's inner flames, <laughs> literally, as an alchemist. So we practice with alchemy. Flaming silver, silver just being the color silver. I like silver earrings. Silver.co. Co. And I chose that uh, um, domain name on purpose instead of .com. But because my intention, the day I chose it after my sabbatical was connect, collaborate, co-create. That is, that is the intention that I want to achieve with every human who comes into my works, the future books, everything else that's coming. Connect, collaborate, co-create. Um, we're all in this together, this game of life. And it can be joyful, even on the bad days. Um, it can still be joyful. So flamingsilver.co, easiest way to get hold of me. Um, there'll just be more added. I promise you there's a ton in the pipeline. So I want to, I'm going to be, I want to record, uh, what do you call it? Video, little mini masterclasses that I'm going to add to the YouTube channel. That's happening too. It's just, I love showing imagery because I think um, we remember in pictures. Uh, it's just natural, part of the brain's way of processing. So I'm going to be recording myself talking on some PowerPoint presentations just for YouTube for free that people can watch when it gets there. Um, Because they'll remember the imagery. They don't need to remember my face. They need to remember the images and process that according to where they are. Meet them where where they are. That's awesome. I like the .co. Yeah. yeah, You know, so. Yeah, .co. So what is, what is your, what's your mantra? You know, what is, what do you say to yourself every single day that you get up? Is there something that you align with? Often. Often, but not every day, but I'd say often, most of the time, it's, uh, I ask a question to the universe. So when I'm still lying in bed is who can I help today? Just who? So it's a way of me setting an intention to open up and invite the universe (laughs) to like, show me that one human today. Because one of my, part of my purposes is that I'm here to touch, heal, inspire, educate, and entertain all those who end up in my field through my work, who glean from my work. But note the word touch, because I get those messages often on LinkedIn or Facebook, for example, where I've touched a life and I've had people privately message, I don't know them, they're not clients, (laughs) sorry, who say that you really touched me with this post today. So because of you, I didn't swallow those pills. They were going to commit suicide. They were contemplating it and they didn't swallow those pills. And then they went and sought doctor's help. And the way 
that's touching someone's life. And that to me makes it all worthwhile. That's, um, it's so little, but how can you wake up every day and touch someone's life to uplift them? So not touches in bad, I mean, in a good way. <laughs> like, I guess so. There was a, a recent message on LinkedIn. It made me cry, like out of joy. Uh, I just didn't expect that from someone on LinkedIn. Never engaged with any content shared until I got a message. I was like, wow. And it's a grown man high up in the financial services industry in New York. So I touched his life. And every time that happens, I just thank God I'm here to do what I, whatever it is I'm doing. Even well, that's, the seemingly significant things. Yeah, that's a gift. And, you know, nothing is happenstance. In fact, Kristen and I met on... <laughs> True. You know, we met on LinkedIn and the law of attraction is alive and well. The uh, universal <laughs> consciousness is working. I can feel it. And, and, and I'm so inspired by you. And I, and I really look forward to see what you're going to do the here and now, yeah. but also in the future. And hopefully be part of it in some way. Uh, yes, because so I cannot you, wait you, to do my group workshops. And I need you there because men like to listen from men. I can guide everyone. I can do the horse thing. That's part of the energy and trust and leadership thing. But I love having real men like you, real people, real men to come in and also talk, to show an example. You exemplify it. So you will be one of them <laughs> on my guest expert panel. It's going to come in and really just talk to my small group workshops live and in person. I cannot wait to do it. That's going to be in the USA. And it's going to reciprocate. So I appreciate you. Thank you for helping me out on this first series of these well podcast interviews. And, uh, I can't imagine a world without you in it. So it's all good stuff. And <laughs> thank you. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Kristen. <laughs> oh, John, thank you so much. It's an honor. Thank you for listening to another episode of Well. Without you, we don't exist. We hope the men who joined us today learned some valuable tips to improve and not be ashamed to use them. Be the change. Set the example. Keep going, men. And for the women leaders out there, keep creating and keep helping us men to become even better men, more effective leaders. Thank you. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and lead.